0: Tell you secret. Come here. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. Okay. Good. Okay. Perfect. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about why some of my views changed whenever it came to the concept of God as well as science. I get a lot of people who ask me, Brett, what changed your mind? What changed your views? I really like this quote by Albert Einstein. I even made a t-shirt about it. The more I study science, the more I believe in God. As many of you know, I was a former atheist who used to make videos defending evolution, and I would say probably in the first year and a half of doing YouTube, I was defending it. I also believed that the universe didn't require, nor was it necessary, for a god to exist in order for the universe itself to exist. However, after getting more into studies and looking into the Big Bang, I discovered that the claim about it was that all matter, space, and time came from one single little dot, some little prick needle. Everything that you see around you, all of the objective reality, came from this little tiny power source. And through an expansion, back in my day, they used to claim that the universe went through an explosion and everything riddled out. Creating this hot, molten, this unbelievable heat wave, and through that, all the planets and the stars and everything came into existence. Well, going back to that, I realized after a while that this was a supernatural claim. And why I say supernatural is because supernatural is defined as something coming into existence or happening, an event that is beyond or without the dependency of natural laws. Now, if the universe was once like this and nothing else, that means that nature itself did not exist yet. That means that, being that there was no nature, there wasn't no laws of nature, and the entire claim of the Big Bang Theory was defined as supernatural. Interestingly enough, we mentioned Albert Einstein earlier, it was actually a Catholic priest who came up with the idea for the Big Bang Theory, the universe having a beginning. The atheist long ago tried... This was probably, I'd say, probably about 50, 60 years ago, if my memory serves me right. They tried to claim that the universe was had a, uh, what did they call it, a static universe where it just went on forever and ever and had no beginning. And back then, that was really good for the atheists because then they could say, well, there wasn't no prime mover, there wasn't a creator of the universe, the universe always was. Unfortunately, it was one of their own named Stephen Hawking who came along and demonstrated mathematically and with all of his equations and theories that the Big Bang Theory is what people are going to believe in. It is what is commonly believed in by 90% of atheists as well as religious people out there. There are some Christians are against the Big Bang and there are some atheists, but it's very few. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of atheists hold to the Big Bang Theory is because they don't understand the universe. They don't understand what science is actually saying about it, so they go along with it. Because the experts say so, therefore they will say, well, if the experts say so, if the scientists say so, then it must be true. It's really not based upon education whenever it comes to the non-believers, no offense. It's all about authority. It's all about who's smart, who do we think is smart, and if they said it, it must be right kind of deal. Not much different from the argument of might is right. In this case, whoever is the most intelligent, that's what we're going to go with. Well, being that I realize that as a non believer, and also listening to quite a few different debates by John Lennox. Zachariah, as well as William Lane Craig, listening to them throttle famous atheists in debates and discussions on that, I realized at that point that trying to argue that there isn't a prime mover behind the universe would be stupid. It would be dumb. I watched extremely intelligent atheists that were far better than myself in debates and arguments getting wiped out and discussions, and wiped out badly. Well, then there was the problem with evolution. I had been defending it for a year and a half, like I said, as a former atheist, and I continued to look into it, and continued to look into it, because there were religious people out there who obviously believed that evolution was false, so I wanted to make sure that I could collect as much evidence and information I could on the side of atheists, and whenever it came to that, whenever I found myself in debates, I wanted to have as much knowledge and ammo as I possibly could use to destroy their arguments and disprove the existence of God. Unfortunately, the more I looked into evolution, without even them having to tell me, I started finding out things like humanity, as well as every living creature on the earth has a blueprint inside of it, that our DNA has a code and sequences and patterns to it in order to be able to construct the atomical structures that we are today. Evolution is not a chaotic system. If you were to really, really look into it, even though there's not a whole lot of evidence to prove that it's true or that it's right, even though you have these atheists jumping around like chickens with their head cut off claiming otherwise, evolution is not something that I think that atheists really want to continue to die on that hill for, that they want to battle. Because even if there was truth to evolution, evolution could be easily demonstrated as being a guided process by the information that is provided to us in science books, as well as Google and every search engine known to man. Everything about it speaks and screams out order, function. I'll give you an example of something. I'm not going to pull up some kind of fossil from billions of years ago or millions of years ago on you. I'm going to just simply ask you some simple questions about your body. You know, the hell with pulling up dead corpses and bones and, and uh, decayed DNA and all that. Let's talk about you. Do you believe that you have an objective reason for even having a brain or a nervous system in the first place? Does your brain serve a function and purpose? I would hope that you would think so. I would hope that you would realize that your brain is, its purpose is to be able to help you with thoughts and ideas and to be able to invent things. Your brain has many, many things about it. It helps you with your subconscious and your id and your ego and all these issues. Your brain and your mind is what make up who you are. Your brain has an intrinsic value to it, and it's objectively true. It is a reality. It's everything that makes you who you are. So if I ask you, does your brain and your mind serve an intrinsic purpose and function? Most of you, if you had any intelligence floating around in your brain, you'd say, well, sure. Sure it does. And I would have to ask you, can you name one thing in existence That has no purpose and no function, and then on top of it, not even created by a mind. Some of you would say, well, if it doesn't have a mind, and if it doesn't have a purpose, and it doesn't have a function, then that most likely wouldn't be something that's considered designed. But what if I were to ask you, where does your logic and rationality come from? What is the purpose and function of your brain? You're going to list off all kinds of different things about yourself and about what your brain does for you and what the brain does for other people, showing that you clearly know that the brain serves a function and purpose and only things that serve a logical purpose and function can only be demonstrated and come from that of a mind, you'll find yourself almost immediately questioning, is there a prime mover then? Is there a God? Because we're talking about a living sentient being, an entity that is the very creator of logic and rationality, that is said to be the very creator of why your brain works the way it does and why it even exists in the first place. Did you know that if you and I were to go out into any parts of nature... We could go anywhere around the world, and there's nowhere in the pressures or the variables or the environment where we're ever going to find pain receptors. We're not going to find a nervous system looking around in nature. The only thing that has anything like this are living things. And living things come from living things and then living things. Everything that is constrained within the laws of the universe has always come from something. The only way something can be alive, but not require or be dependent or an apparent, is if that living thing is eternal. Now, God has the attribute of being eternal. There is nothing else in the universe, nothing in existence, that has the same or even close enough definition to a prime mover like that of God. For something to be able to create a universe, it would have to be powerful enough to create matter, time, and space. This means that if there is a God that created things, he would have to be capable and logical enough to be able to do all that is logically possible around you, including reality itself. Now let's say for a minute there isn't no God. Let's say that there's got to be a natural explanation for that. Let's say that there has to be a natural explanation for life and the universe. Well, the problem with that is that, remember, the Big Bang tells you everything started from a little pin needle, right? Right? It tells you that nature didn't exist, matter did not exist, space and time did not exist. Therefore, nature, if it did not exist, you'll never get a natural process. You'll never get a natural reason why the origin of all life and existence came into play. All you can say is after the universe came into existence, you can start speculating that rocks hit each other and melted and burned out, and all this weird, powerful energy just seemed to surround us, and this world just became what it did. And out of rocks and granite and material on the ground and ooze or primordial soup or water ventricles, whatever the hell you want to call them, supposedly a self-replicating cell came from this. But there's a problem with that too, ladies and gentlemen. The entire point of a self-replicating cell is that it's supposed to, like a print shop, recreate another cell that is like itself. How did it even have that function to begin with, ladies and gentlemen? How did the cell become self-replicating? How is it able to completely recreate itself? The atheists don't have any answer for that. Even Richard Dawkins says it's almost like a computer language. We're still trying to figure it out. So if any atheist out there pretends as though they know the answer to these things, they're lying. They're pathological. Even the greatest scientists in the world haven't figured that out. But let's say let's just say for shits and grins that that is the case, that cells replicate themselves and go through this process, that they claim how the origin of life started. Isn't the cell supposed to create a blueprint of itself? Okay, so after many, many years, it keeps replicating and creating an exact copy of itself. The only way that that cell can be changed is is if something horrible happened in the environment that broke some of the DNA or broke some of the information that is inside the cell or some kind of form of radiation caused a mutation or some negative error or a mistake to it. That's the only way. There is no variables in our environment that is going to just reconfigure all this material. Now, we got another problem. According to the second laws of thermodynamics, which is an actual scientific law that states that the universe and everything around us is breaking down. It's dying, it's rusting, it's going through all these issues. If that is the case, then every single day you're alive, you're one second closer to being dead. You're dying from the moment that you are born From the moment you enter the womb, you are being stretched apart by the universe. It is slowly and gradually tearing you apart. You're losing information. You're not gaining it. There's also another thing besides cosmological and natural laws, laws of nature. There's also genetic entropy that says that we drift and that our genes are basically getting worse and worse and worse. You ever wondered why it is that 2023 a lot of people seem extremely dumb? Well, that might be the reason. Or it could be too much drugs from the 80s. Who knows? Just figured I'd throw a little joke out there. Of course, there is a lot of uh, evidence to support that idea. Kind of sad, really. Maybe not so much funny. So we've got all these things that are working against us and acting against us. And we've got these supposed self-replicating cells, but there's nothing in the environment that would make a cell get bigger and bigger and bigger and then turn into an atomical structure. It starts growing legs, it starts growing body parts. Anybody that's got any common sense, anyone that's not just fool and stupid, realizes something is happening in order to change the blueprint of the cell. Something is actually guiding it to be what it's becoming. It didn't just mistakes happen and it does this. DNA, if you have anything wrong with your DNA, your genetics, you could get cancer. You could get a, just so many miserable things could happen. You could literally go back to being a soup and nothing more. There's even a term out there called de-evolution, a lot of people don't talk about that, I noticed, on the internet. But there's a concern that some of our traits and some of our inherited abilities may turn off one day. Our genes just decide to go to sleep. And that you could actually devolve and go back into being a baboon or a spongebob or whatever the hell it is that you think you came from or whatever you're related to. Don't hear very many people talk about that, but it's kind of horrifying, isn't it? That you could one day wake up and not be the same person you used to be. Something switched off. Something went wrong. I guess at the end of the day, I question why atheists think that evolution's a big answer for them. It's not. Darwin, in his book called The of Man, The Scent of Man, He believed that God was required in order for evolution to even work, because he seen it as a guided process. And then Richard Dawkins, who is still alive today as far as I know, also claims that our DNA is like a computer tape, almost as if a programmer programmed all this information that copy and pastes itself and continues to generate and do what it does. And that's a modern-day scientist who is an atheist who can see that evolution is a guided process. So if it's a guided process, ladies and gentlemen, well, you'd have a hard time being able to explain that in a natural process. But it can be easily explained by people who believe in God. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why there are a lot of religious people like Kenneth Miller out there who actually teaches evolution in school. But also believes in God at the same time, why it is he believes that God is behind evolution. So as you can see, religious people can they can basically take evolution from the non believers and make it a part of a part of the God story. And then that's it. Then what do atheists have? They don't have their natural process, they don't have their abiogenesis, they have nothing. Is it worth the argument? Is it worth the fight? you're losing, and you're going to continue to lose on these arguments and points, and I'm not trying to be mean about that, but if you really, really took time to actually study this and not watch some, you know, uh, guy on YouTube who hasn't even made it through high school talking to you about it, if you actually study the actual information, you're going to find out it's not so cut and dry for you. God bless.